Hey everybody, during this interview with the amazing Stephanie McHugh, the recording hardware had a catastrophic failure, so if the sound changes midway and the, uh, seems like there's a rough edit in there, that's why, but I can't say enough about Stephanie and her kindness and her professionalism because she picked up right where we left off and didn't phase her uh, while we were going through this. And come out and see her. She's actually performing uh, Janu January, <laughs> July 31st at uh, in Littleton, Colorado. I'll post links to that in the show notes. But enjoy the conversation. It's wonderful. And she did this about three weeks after her dad passed away. So she is just a wonderful soul and a true pro. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I'm gonna do this all day. The Matt Sodnicker Podcast. Some of the best moments are actually like when I hit record and then we're and then testing just go. the cold open. Yeah, <laughs> I've started leaving them in. So. Hey, everybody. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thank you for listening. I appreciate everybody that has commented and sent me guest suggestions. It means a lot. I really do appreciate it. And uh, with me is somebody that I met IRL in real life out at a uh, comedy show. And she told uh, a joke that uh, just really resonated with me. And her name is Stephanie McHugh. And she's a comedian, a voiceover actor, a humor coach, which I'm sure I could use some coaching on that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just we've got some very, I think, interesting and compelling things to talk about. So Stephanie, welcome and thank you. And great to see you again. Yes. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Sure. So uh, I know this probably your joke, the joke that I was talking about, about um, dementia and your dad. <clears throat> I know it goes into a whole set. Right. But if you could, as best you could, like tell the joke. And I'd like to talk about why I really liked it, who it reminded me of. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the joke it is based in reality. So my dad does have Parkinson's and a little bit of dementia. And he w would go to a Parkinson's boxing class. Uh, it helps with stability and coordination. So it's specifically for people at Parkinson's, but it's at a boxing. Um, and at the end of the class, someone came up to my dad and said, Jim, thanks for bringing the eye candy to the class today. <laughs> and my dad, so should I, the joke then I, when I'm on stage, I say, you know, you guys, I'm the new young hot chick at the Parkinson's boxing class. <laughs> and because they have dementia, I'm the new young hot chick every time <laughs> i'm getting a lot of phone numbers it's the same one all the time so that's the joke and um what really happened is someone did say thanks for bringing the eye candy and then my dad just stared at him and i remember oh, no he kidding. didn't he didn't laugh and he didn't uh and i thought um gosh full disclosure like i almost I feel like I might cry occasionally, but then I'll stop really quick. So just that's that's just where we're going. Um, uh, so it made me sad because I thought 20 years ago, my dad's a big guy, Matt, like you, you know, no one would have said that to my dad because they would have been afraid of him. Um, I, I feel like he just had, he was a gentle giant is what they said, but he could look he had resting bitch face a little bit. You know, he looked <laughs> mean and big. And uh, so no one would have, I felt, said that to him 20 years ago when I legit could have really been the new young hot chick at the Parkinson's. I saw two other women there, too. Like one was teaching him, like, I'm not the hot chick. I go, but I do have big boobs. So he must be a breast man. And I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so it made me sad. 
it really hurt when that happened because I thought either dad doesn't know what was just said or he feels the same way I did, you know, that he can't protect me now. I like, think he would have knocked that guy out. I think he would have. Yeah, he would have probably said something funny if someone would. But kind of a little like um, I just remember my brothers, you know, he would give him a good like little shove. Sometimes my brothers, for the record, would not call me the new young hot chick. But <laughs> my dad would just like push my brothers a little a little bit. Some, You know, like give him a nice little shove, playful shove. Um. And he wouldn't have taken that. I remember when we were in Italy when I was 20 and somebody did something, like almost ran my mom off. We were trying to cross the street and someone, and we didn't know the language, but my dad was like, you know, he was ready to fight in another country where he didn't know the language or anything because someone almost ran my mom off the road. And so it just hurt a little bit. I didn't know... I felt like either he, you know, feels like he can't protect me, that someone would say that, or the dementia is kicking in right now and he doesn't know. Um, so anytime I have that feeling, I go, okay, there's a joke. There's a joke there. Anytime it hurts, there, there's got to be a joke there somewhere. So the first time I said it on stage, uh, it was at Comedy Works, and someone in the audience went, oh, and I felt uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, they think that's inappropriate. But then I just made the decision. I'm like, look, this is my, I know I don't have Parkinson's, um, but it my dad does. And so it's my pain as a family member of someone. And so I'm owning it, and here we go. I'm owning this joke 100%. And if there's anyone in the audience that feels is going through something, I would hold space, as I was saying. <laughs> as I Excellent. Was saying, hold space for those people. I And just not, and then sell it 100%. No apologies in my brain. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so it didn't, I mean, the joke didn't come out that way. Um so my brother gave me the tag. What tag did he give me? Like we were driving home from seeing dad. I think he gave me the one. I'm getting a lot of phone numbers. It's the same one over and over again. <laughs> and someone, I can't remember, but I have a good friend that says, that doesn't make any sense because you would be getting the phone numbers. So you would be, like, like, I see what they're saying, but the joke still gets a laugh. So I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> if it's a laugh, I'm going to go with it. But it logically, like, if I'm getting someone's phone number, I, I would get it right. I wouldn't be getting the same phone number. I would get it. Like, like I have totally dementia. Works. Which could, Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so that's how the tags got added um, onto it. And since then, um, my dad passed away uh, July 7th. And so I had my first show last night um, after he had passed. And uh, so I added to it. So here's the uh, addition. I was talking to my cousin, Rob. I'm giving him writing credits. And I told him the Parkinson's joke. And then he goes, you should say, I'm still going to the class. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that. And then I also said, and this is based on reality. And again, it was a pain because I had told my dad, the reality is I had told my dad a couple times over the past two years, whenever it was just the two of us, I would say, dad, whatever you need to do, if you can do, I just want you to know that we're going to take care of mom. So whatever you feel, I wouldn't say that I would just leave it open-ended like that and just say, we're going to, we'll take care of mom. And, um, he held on until mom said it when mom said, you know, I, you have done a good job as a husband, father and grandfather, and I'll be okay if you need to go. And then two days later he was gone. Um, and we were able to get him home. He was in the hospital. He had had um, 
something happened. He was in the hospital. He'd healed enough and mom got so excited. And then we're like, we need to, we just had a couple family conversations that were, I feel really grateful that my, I have three brothers and I and my mom and uh, Nikki, who's a close family friend, were all able to like come together. I kn- I've heard a lot of times it can rip families apart, but it really brought us close and she felt finally comfortable and knew how to say it. I think sometimes she was afraid she was going to come off as like, yeah, I'm ready, you know, free to go. And that was not the case at all. So where is I going? So he, I had told my dad that. And then he wasn't even gone a week. And I see at in the middle of the night, my mom is sending us texts on like the logistics for the celebration of life. So... I thought, I'm like, I should answer this text, but I don't want to answer this text right now in the middle of the night. So I felt like what I should have said to dad was, I will be there for mom between 9 a.m. and 3 (laughs) p.m. Monday through Friday. Regular customer (laughs) service hours. I'll be there for like Comcast customer service for my mom. (laughs) Mom, your call is very important to us. (laughs) Para Espanol, presione dos. <laughs> so that was the joke that I, that, I think that was the first joke that I thought of. <clears throat> so I said that too um, on stage. And then I, but I opened with what my cousin Rob had said, because it, it tied in nicely that my dad has passed now. I'm still going to the class. And then I go, what got me through it was my faith and the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. <laughs> and I and I saw there was a table of women and like three of them raised their hands and they're like, yes. I'm like, that is a mind suck. Am I right or am I right? So I feel like I, I've got a show Friday and I need to kind of add on to that. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that. But that's the next thing that I'm going to work on because I did listen way too much to that but it was a nice distraction from everything and you can be doing stuff you know Mm -hmm. why are you just listening to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard I mean because we're all gonna die but we're not all gonna get sued for a hundred million (laughs) dollars (laughs) so so you can feel good about your life choices (laughs) that's so true So that was the next part. That's the newest version of um, the Parkinson's boxing class. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for, um, because we were going to do this a month or two ago and I ended up getting COVID. Oh, right. Yeah. And then um, given just the recency of everything, I can't tell you how much it means that that you're doing this and talking about your dad and the joke that I was so drawn to. So it really means a lot that you're doing this. So oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Yeah. And, my pleasure. I'm and a- the joke. <clears throat> so I listened to Berbiglia's podcast a lot and like his specials. And there was such a, a, a craft to that joke, in my opinion. And there was such a level of compassion because I think it would have been easier for someone to tie like boxing and Parkinson's and Muhammad Ali and then make fun of it. Oh, and right. And be very mean spirited. Yeah. And there was such an element of, I'm going to get lost in the <clears throat> artistic terms, but the, the, the creativity and the care that you put into that, it was not making fun of anybody. It was just, lightening the mood about the situation and just there was some self-deprecation in there and then the minute i i for about a minute and a half um i didn't hear anything else you said after that joke because <laughs> i was like man that was like i could see Brabigula doing something oh like that. wow thank you so much yeah yeah and that's why i wanted to talk about that. yeah was like, there was such a creative um 
distinction from how you wrote that and presented it that I wanted to deconstruct it a little bit. Oh, thank you. And <clears throat> it's funny you said that. And I can't remember if I said it that night or not. I can go back and look. Because sometimes a lot of men actually will say, I thought you were going to go that way like Muhammad Ali. or mm. Because boxing, a lot of boxers do get Parkinson's. So sometimes I'll say... A lot of boxers do get Parkinson's, but then they can take the Parkinson's boxing class with everyone else. It just, I don't know. Sometimes I say it, sometimes I don't. It's, it's kind of obvious in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then. Let me mansplain and humor coach you <laughs> for a second, Stephanie. Well, okay. <laughs> Let me hand you the paper so you can take some notes. <laughs> Because I've been on stage exactly zero times doing no, stand-up. No. Let me tell you how to craft this joke. <laughs> Please continue. No, go on. That's good. <laughs> oh, um, the other part is uh, a lot of people or some people might not know what Parkinson's is. Oh, sure. So I've gone through a couple things of... Um, so I do say it helps with stability and the shakiness. And then I kind of, I think I did that. And then I tried to work because my boxing stance was horrible. And I just recently got virtual reality goggles, VR goggles, okay. and I take boxing classes. So I'm trying to work. That's the latest thing that I'm trying to do is have my stance better oh. and look a little more cool. <laughs> When I box. <laughs> so no one. Yeah. So so there are little things like you you just sort of pick it apart sometimes. Like what if someone doesn't understand what part, you know, because you don't want someone going, what is Parkinson's? Because then they're sure. not listening to you for a minute. So if you can explain it and if you can make it funny, um, then you just, you know, add that in. So that, yes, is, is part of it. <laughs> so for, and this might be impossible to answer but from the time you had the idea of that joke how many iterations did you go through how long did it take before it started becoming something that went from an idea to on stage and i'd love to know about your creative process too oh man <clears throat> um i i think i did it shortly after it happened and then it kind of stayed that way for a little while and then I crafted it a little bit more because I think that was in 2019 um and so weird with the pandemic so it feels like everything just sort of laid dormant there for a little while so I feel like it kind of went through the first part for six months where it wasn't great and then I added the other things and I've kind of kept it where it's at now like I I like the shake it helps with the stability and shakiness um that I think was the last thing that I added mm. because sometimes if you're at a brewery or whatever you know people are young like they're in their 20s or their 30s and they're just not or just a lot of people might not know so I do that if I guess it was a week and a half after I'm trying to be, I'm trying to really write more. I would say that's the area that I really need to just keep going on. And um, so I tried it on stage. I will tell it to people. So I'll tell it to my cousin or my brother and then my daughter and just see, excuse me, if I get a response I'm sure they know. I'm sure my daughters know, you know, when I'm trying things out. But (laughs) (laughs) it is really helpful to get the words out of my mouth because I'll think it in my head. But if you say it out loud, sometimes it just doesn't flow. And then I just know the first couple of times that it may not hit. But I feel like I've got a pretty good idea. And I don't know. There's something about just like when I said, I'm like, all right, I'm going to make the decision. I know this. This obviously hurt someone in the audience that first time I did it because they went, oh, but now people come up to me. I would say more than any other joke is the Parkinson's joke. And they'll say, hey, my parent had Parkinson's and that really helped me or I have Parkinson's. 
And, you know, that made me laugh. So that's just a huge, like what you said, it's a huge compliment. And really what I love, why I kind of got into comedy, you know, is make people feel good when you're in the down, but I'm not saying it. <laughs> All of a sudden I got in my head a little bit. In when the you're dumps, in, in the Exactly. Shits, yeah. 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 <clears throat> laugh. Laugh about it. Uh, and my dad had dementia so much in those last couple of days. But the doctor, when she came up, when he first went into the hospital, um, he was bleeding uncontrollably and they couldn't find where it was. So we couldn't bring him home because they said, if we move him, he might die. Like mm. if we even try and put him in the ambulance, we're afraid we would lose him. So... Um, and she said, he was so funny. She goes, hey, Jim, you're bleeding a lot there. And he goes, I'm a few cans short of a six pack. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, is that a saying? Did he? <clears throat> or did he just make that up right then? I, I just, I've never heard that before. And I thought that was really funny. So. That's great. Yeah. I've never heard it either. I've always heard, you know, what is it? A few. um I was going to say a few bats short of a belfry. I've heard that one. <laughs> I've heard, um, <clears throat> oh, what is, it just vaporized on me too. Oh God, do I have dementia? You, I think we both do. <laughs> it just happened. It's contagious. <laughs> call her. If you know, please call in. <laughs> oh, the jokes are going to be good though. When yeah. have two people simultaneously <laughs> in a podcast gotten dementia? This is awesome. <laughs> so uh the other thing too i i might do it friday night but this is what i find funny is um i just uh went to a family reunion and my cousin found a lost tape of my grandma then he interviewed you know about her life and stuff oh, like wow. that it was very cool and i was talking to my brother recently and the only thing we interviewed my dad on was that he knew John Wayne Gacy when he was young. <laughs> That's so, like, he had a long, beautiful relationship with my mom, had four kids, you know, and, and that's the one thing we recorded of his life. <laughs> it just feels so <laughs> superficial. But my brother loves murder porn. His his wife says that. She's like, they do not have the similar, you know, tastes in TV. And he'll be watching Dateline or, or any of that stuff. And I said, hey, did you know dad knew John Wayne Gacy? And he's like, what? He goes, I never heard that. And I go, why? And I go, I think they were altar boys together. And my mom said, your father was never an altar boy. And that had two meetings right there. Uh, so Mike interviewed dad and found out they were in young Kiwanis together. My dad wasn't younger than John Wayne Gacy. They were about the same age and they lived in Waterloo, Cedar Rapids, I believe, area together. So they were in young Kiwanis and John Wayne Gacy was the chaplain. So I'd like to do that joke. <laughs> that how horrible is it that that's that was the first thing we recorded of dad and that's all we got we you know he has all these wonderful stories and a beautiful sense of humor and we have one recording the second you said that i'm picturing your netflix special right and so you know it you know fades up you know the credits and all that you start talking about your dad then it cuts to the you know, the, the interview of you and your dad talking about John Wayne Casey. <laughs> can't believe I'm going to say this, but like the fade out is like, you know, Stephanie McHugh. And then it just goes to like the clown the picture. Clown face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you might want to run that through, you know, the just a few production meetings. Just, that's first take, you know. You can make it work. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So if I'm brave, I'll try that. Because so here's the thing. I would like to have a good, I mean, I always want to have a good show, but they, um, I want to do well for this one. It's been like right before the pandemic, sure. I went there. So I just want to Where's the show, show them. It's in uh, Keystone. It's at Warren Street Station oh, cool. in Keystone. And so if you do it and it doesn't work and John Wayne Gacy, you know, that could kind of turn some people. You've now dug a little bit of a hole. So you got to kind of. 
get back out of it a little bit and keep going, which I could do, but I just don't know if I want to risk it. I might find another, like not as, you know, either go to an open mic or just if I have a 10 minute set somewhere, try it and see how it works. But I definitely am going to go, this is what I know, like when I did the John or the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial and those three women went, like <laughs> they raised their hands up. I'm like, okay, there is more, expand on that because they're in with me. But I loved how you set it up though. I think maybe <clears throat> softening it about your cousin interviewing your oh, right. grandmother. Yeah, okay. And then- you could really um, legitimately talk about, like, if you had some anecdotes from that, where it's like this wonderful family memory. Yeah. And then you just go, the only, <laughs> we the, only started. Rec- the only recorded memory I have of my, me and my dad <laughs> is this conversation where we found out he knew John Wayne Casey. <laughs> yep. But we straightened it out. They're not altar boys. They were in young Kiwanis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. You're, you're right. You're that's a good making, point. You're not making light of the monster that he was. Exactly. And what happened to those people. Right. You're just, you know, and given the context, here I go, mansplaining again. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think there's this something there. This is a there. safe place, Matt, <clears throat> to have a conversation. <laughs> it's my house. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> I'm womensplaining now to you and your own house. <laughs> But, you know, given the the recency of your dad's passing and those tender moments and just like it's such a a right turn from that, that it's you're just simply stating a fact. That's true. Yeah, you're right. And maybe I can get to the place, too, just like I did with the Parkinson's. The first time I did the Parkinson's joke, you know, someone went, oh, and I thought, "Ooh, someone feels like I'm making I thought, do they feel like I'm making fun of people have Parkinson's, which is not where I was going. And that's not how that joke lands oh, yeah. at all. I yeah. So again, it's just coming to the mindset where you're like, I'm not going. Um, yeah. <laughs> you got to text me and tell go. me how it goes. Okay, I, I want to know if yeah. you do it. Oh, you know. Yeah. How it goes. Now I feel like I have to do it. Just give it a try. Right. Yeah. And yeah. just own it. So that's where that's where my time will be spent between now and then is like, look, we just got to own it. You just got to say it and mean it and be okay, if that makes sense. Because if yeah. you're – I used to ride horses. We had horses when I was little, and I would get thrown off all the time because every time I'd be like, I am not going to be afraid. But the horse and I both knew I was afraid. <laughs> we both knew the energy and the feeling that I had. And I somehow sort of feel like audiences are the same way. Like you just want it's a it's a fine thing. And do you feel mm-hmm. that with Im- improv too? When you've done improv, like I don't, you can't try to be funny. You just have yeah, what you're going to rule. Yeah, you have what you're going to say and want to connect with them, and just go from that mindset. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. Um, I'm trying to feel like I'm explaining it. I like hearing you think actually and verbalize how you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I wanted to get into. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So, right. So now I'm sort of sitting here thinking I'm going to have to spend the next two days being a hundred percent okay with saying that joke. Because if I'm in my head a little bit, that's not going to help. And it, it may not work. So, but, but if I'm not selling it a hundred percent, then I'll know, okay, what do I need to do? You know, I'll still craft it and stuff like that. But if I'm unsure of my confidence in saying it, then I'll walk away going, was it because I was unconfident in how I was saying it? Mm -hmm. Or was it that the material didn't work? Whereas if I'm like, okay, I'll have to write it out so it's really clear how I want to say it because that's the other thing sometimes I'll be a little too. If I go back and listen, like I listened to one set 
Um, and another uh, joke that I had recently, and I have one friend. Isn't it funny how friends show it? It feel like lately life shows up when I need it, and it goes. You need to write a joke about that. My uh, comedian friend that I've just met, and I'm like, oh, he's right. And I feel like caregiving and comedy <clears throat> have recently, well, really the whole time, always come up at the same time. So uh, I had two daughters when I first started doing stand-up. So there's always two important things at the same time. And I always feel like I go to caregiving first. I take care of, and then I'll just run to the show and and do it. And so this past year, my strategy, wait, let me go back a little bit. When the girls moved out of the house, my my daughters are out of the house. I'm like, okay, I'm going to rent my townhome out and I'm going to live with someone who has a dog. Okay. Because I love dogs, but I want to perform on the cruise ships. So I'm gone for two to three weeks at a time. So then um, I can, like, for example, I just recently moved in with my brother and sister-in-law, and it has been great, especially with everything going on with my dad. So they're going to Belize on Saturday for a week, and they just go, and I'll watch the dog, I'll feed the dog, I'll take the dog on a walk, and then when I go travel, I just go, we dog share, (laughs) we share the dog. (laughs) That's my life strategy. I don't want to have a dog because I just, it's a long-term commitment that I, I always want to travel a lot. Mm-hmm. So the past two times I've had a really big, important comedy thing in the middle of the pandemic too, which was kind of hard because you're not performing on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, the dog that I lived with died right before I went on the big thing. So I just mm. felt sad and like wanted to help take care of the dog. And it's not going to be there when I come back. So I tried writing a joke about that. Like, I can't find a roommate now because nobody wants their dog to die. (laughs) (laughs) You have really good references, but, you know, Casey's 10 and we just can't risk you coming in and... So I listened. Now, were to- you convicted in the dog's death? <laughs> I was, not, was there- in full disclosure, both dogs were old. Okay. Like they just died of old age. Sure. It just was one of those things. But it's still sad, you know. It was my brother's dog that like the kids had. Like sure. it's it's so to me it sort of feels like it ends like, oh, your kids aren't little anymore. And then now the Molly's gone too. Yeah. Um So I listened to the joke a couple times and I realized I was too short with it. Like I said, caregiving and comedy. And then I talked about the dog dying, which caregiving is more the kids. Sure. Uh, So I either need to not say caregiving or I need to figure out how to do the setup so that being a mom or taking care of people and dogs and the house or whatever and comedy caregiving to me so i got lost for a second there too because when you're saying caregiving that took me back to your dad oh yeah okay yeah and so you know parenting though yeah as a i mean you're still a caregiver as a parent yeah but that would immediately Put me in that that mom headspace that you were talking about. Oh, that, right. Like you're taking care of kids. Now you're empty nester. Your kids have yeah. moved out. So I, I got stuck on caregiving too. Yeah. So that's an interesting <clears throat> thing. You know, it's I feel like the joke could be funny, but I'm just not explaining it well. So I gotta I gotta figure out the setup better. Yeah. It's gotta be concise and because the other one that I had that now I have that joke forever is um, stranger danger. Like you, if you meet, you have to be careful, ladies, when you go out on a date, like meet in a public place, keep your drink with you. But I get easily sidetracked. I'll be like, two puppies? <laughs> no bad man would have two puppies. Yes, I'll get in the van. 
So that like happened, that thought came into my mind. Like I, every time I would take the girls like to the mall or something, yeah. I would just sort of go when they were young, like, hey, if you got separated from me, who's a good person that you could ask for, you know, for help just to kind of run the script through their head? And I remember telling him like, what if someone said they had two puppies? Would you go help? Yeah, we would go help, you know? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. no. What do we just talk about? And then I was literally at like Wash Park or something. And I saw a guy with two puppies. Like, a, I'm like, oh, wow, that's kind of hot. I'm like, you just, you just <laughs> told your children and you are falling for it. Cute. <laughs> so it took like two or three times to get it. Right. But now that's one of my oldest and favorite jokes. I really need to, again, write more, you know, I need to like retire some of, some of those. But I think in the online dating, like I love it because what I'm remembering more about your style now, and I don't remember any jokes apart from the first one, uh but what I really like about it is that you're just relating things that have happened to you you're not making any of this stuff up yeah you literally saw a guy at wash park that had two puppies (laughs) and i'm like that's hot yeah 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 and i think the the thing is is that you're not using the word if right like because if makes it look at me getting all you know english professor here but like if you go if i saw a guy with two puppies exactly get in the van but no like this literally happened you tie it back to your kids like i love that your style is like I'm doing these things and I'm making them funny. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That's one of, you're right. You wouldn't want to say if you would want to keep it sort of as present tense and as close to you as possible. Like yeah. a lot of times people will say, oh, you should say that, the, you know, like something funny happened to them and you should say that your friend had this, happen and and that way of saying it on stage would never work you're you're right you would you'd either i would have me say it or make it as close to me as possible yeah yeah i want to go back to the cruise ships for uh, um, come back to the cruise ships yeah but as you're talking about running jokes past people <clears throat> do you have somebody that is a 100 percent source of truth that will not give you like a, um, uh, what do they call it? Like a pity chuckle or do you have somebody or, or people like that where it's like, they will tell you if it's shit. Yes. Uh, my kids. <laughs> well, not a problem. And really probably my brother, now that I'm, uh, you know, been living with him and things too, I can run it mm-hmm. and run it by him. And I would say my kids will go, I see what you're trying to say, <laughs> but you're all over the place. Kind of like the caregiving and the the dog, the dog dies. You know, I, I just, I say caregiving, but it throws the audience off in one direction. And then I say a dog dies and they're like, wait, what? You know, it just doesn't flow right. So my yeah. kids are really good because I do have ADD. So like just. I do too. All the time I'll be like going one way and then just go another way. And they're like, mom, you know, could you just focus for the lap? And I haven't done this on stage too, but I I feel like going, you know, do your kids think you're funny? People will say, I'm like, yes, but not how you think they think I'm funny. (laughs) How your kids think you're funny. That's how my kids think I'm funny. I.e. idiot. You know, that's what they find funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because um, my son, he's he just turned 25. Oh, yeah. He lives in Orlando. And um, he's got this um, photography business <clears throat> where he just got into photography. Oh, wow. That's taking, awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. just amazing to see this creative endeavor. Yeah. And so he actually, there's a distillery here in Arvada and he was taking shots of it and like super cool. And so we met him after we were done and, um, there was this like foam 
dart place right next door where you could go like run around like paintball but with like foam darts or something oh oh okay Okay. i know what you're saying yeah 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 yeah. so you hide behind like inflatable barriers or something and so we were talking about getting our group together and i swear i'm gonna tie this back to my kid this is like (laughs) i'm with you i know yeah but um i just said yeah like i'd want to be like you know, make a wish kid. And my wish is to shoot my friend Dash in the dick with one of these bows and arrows. <laughs> and Nick, like, I think he thought it was funny. Uh-huh. He didn't laugh, but he just, he puts his cocktail down and goes, if I was to describe my dad to anybody, it would be this story right here. Like, I think he, he's like, I guess like comedians do like, Hey, that's funny. They're not laughing, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> He's yeah. just like uh, talking about Yes, that. right. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so the cruise ship, you're on the yeah. you're on the boat for a couple weeks, yeah. right? And so do you get personal feedback often for your shows? Cuz you're not I'm I would hope you're in this like VIP area sequestered, but you're probably not. You know, you go, you eat um, in the buffet with with everyone else. You could go down to the crew area, but um, I usually eat up in the the garden cafe or or whatever. So the the deal, I've learned from some other uh, comedians who've done it longer, you know, occasionally as the week goes on, more and more people go to the shows and see who you are. So people come up to you more. And then the thing is, if someone says, hey, that was, I really enjoyed your show. You go, thank you so much. It really helps me out if you fill out your comment card. It is all about the customer service and their experience on the cruise ship. So you're trying to get them, if you can ask them to fill it out, that just goes a long way to to help us out. Did that answer the question? Was that it? That's That's sort of the... The game. Okay. The game. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, you do that. So that's how that goes. Have you ever received in-person negative feedback? (laughs) No. I'm trying to think. Hey, I saw your show. I know. (laughs) Not for me. I would say. (laughs) I haven't gotten the not for me, but I do do see. Hey, I saw you. Okay, if you didn't, if you're not gonna say <laughs> dot, anything dot, nice, <laughs> then don't say anything at all <laughs> to me. Um, so occasionally, I mean, not occasionally, but you, I get that. That bugs me. I saw you last night. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I've seen you. All right, <laughs> let's just walk away from each other right now. <laughs> I'm going back to the yeah. shrimp tower. I'll be, yeah, I'll be over here. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. So that's the. That's how you do it on the cruise ship. Right. Try to get those customer service or they get them to fill out the card saying that they really liked you. Yeah. And yeah. does that help with future bookings? It though? does. Okay. Yeah. So that'll go back to the cruise director and then the cruise director will put in a good word for you, hopefully with a booker. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's how that will work. Yeah. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? You know what? I do. I really do. I, um, I'm, I was hard. I'm trying, Matt, not to, I feel like I've been in victim mode sometimes. Like like uh, I was just in the routine with the cruise ships and I had quit my job. I drove for Uber while trying to get on the cruise ships and then I had made it. Like I had my year 2020, you know, pretty booked oh. financially. I'm like, I'm set. I'm, I'm doing comedy at, on the cruise ships. I'm, I have enough from doing comedy uh this is awesome and then the pandemic happened and then i was just so sad you know i'm like oh yeah that's so unfair i just need to let it go and just keep moving on and now i can't remember where i was going with that but uh i do here's what i love about it is with the add brain you perform so much And then you have the day that you can like revise it and just Mm. really, and you even have to pay for internet. So you can't, 
like be distracted as easily as I would say if I was at home, I'd be like, I need to clean my desk. I need to clean, you know, I need to do this or whatever. You're on the ship. You got to pay for internet. You can sit outside, watch the waves go by and just write some more and then try it out that night. So I did real, I do really like it. Yeah. And just now I wasn't as established when it stopped. So I'm trying to kind of get my foot back in, in there. What's your performing schedule? You said you perform so much. What's like over the course of the, like how, how many shows yeah. per day? Like- well, on the cruise <clears throat> ship, I was a host uh, and they've gotten rid of the host position now. So I had 36 shows in three weeks. I had 12 shows a week. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, 10 minute sets. I had three separate 10 minute sets and then uh, there would be a night show too, an adult show. So the first two would be, it'd be like uh, headliner A at seven o'clock, headliner B at nine o'clock, headliner A adult show at 11 o'clock. Okay. So, uh, and then you'd have a show in the theater and then you had a club and the club is like a nice comedy club, you know, it, it's set up great, dark out there audience all squashed in together (laughs) lights on you um so it was great i i did really like it the theater's you know more just it's different than the the club and you had to have a separate set that's what they tell the Mm. um passengers hey come see the theater show because you're going to see a completely different set than you do in the club so those are the two main things that you don't want to have anything be anything cross over. Got to be organized with your set uh, for that. Yeah, but I, I did really, I, I did really like that and go to different places. Although really on the cruise ship, there was one, there was one island, I can't remember where, but some, you know, some of the musicians and the other comedians we found a really nice little restaurant on the other side of the island where the tourists oh, didn't cool. go that we would just sit there all day. So that was fun. But but most of the time, once you get off the ship, it's the same anywhere you go. It's the same T-shirt, you know, <laughs> magnets, all the different little shops and whatnot. But you can usually find, like I know where the Dunkin' Donuts is in Nassau, with the free internet. I know where free internet is through the whole Caribbean. <laughs> so uh, I just need to keep working on it. I kind of didn't work as, as hard on, you know, just like nudging the, the bookers and things just because dad was, yeah. was focusing on dad. But now I'm going to start doing that because I did really, I do really like it. Yeah. I like the structure of it for me. I find, yeah, I've got ADD too. And I find that <clears throat> when I was younger, I rebelled against structure. Oh, uh-huh. And now it is key to my creativity, what I found out. Oh. Because I'm not like going off the rails. Like I'm very at peace in a hotel room because there's nothing else there. Like I don't have yeah. to worry about what to take. Like I just got to pack everything that I took. And then it's it's quite a peaceful time for me. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And then that's yeah. where you find you can be most creative or get things done, right? That's yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Um, I'm usually there for work, for like trade shows or something oh, like okay. that. But when mm-hmm. I'm there, there is definitely a sense of peace. Like when I get home, it's just like... I got or back to the room. There's just nothing to do. Yeah. And if I do nothing, it's great. Like I'm off the hook because there's not a washing machine. Yeah. Right. Car to fill up or there's not, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's just it's the the radical simplicity of it is enjoyable. Nice. (laughs) That's good. That's good to get a. What do I want to say? Habit. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, yeah, to, to get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is I want to save the humor coaching for part two, if that's okay. Yes. Because of <clears throat> my technological failures here. <laughs> We're like running way over and I want okay. to be respectful of your time. And I don't want to just blaze through that because I have a lot of questions about 
um, deconstructing humor, what's funny, yeah, and, and that. But um, I was so excited for this and um, really wanted to dig into this. And so, given the circumstances with your dad and and that, thank you. Um, I'm so appreciative that you're doing it so soon after that. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my my pleasure. Thank you. I was looking forward to it, and I know. Yeah, we had we just kept missing each other. Yeah, you had eventually. COVID. I forgot. Yeah, you yeah. had COVID. And then, yeah, I said, hey, dad. Yeah. And he would have loved it, too. Yeah. Nice. So thank you. So Stephanie McHugh, where can people find you, see you, book you, come yes. see the show? Come see a show. Um, I'm not sure when you'll put, post this out. July 31st? Yeah, I'm going to get it out this week. I'll oh, good. Week. All right. Yeah. So I have Friday... I'm at Warren Street Station in Keystone. Okay. And then July 31st, which I believe is a Saturday, it's a fundraiser at the Platte Bar and Grill in Littleton. It's on Santa Fe. It's for Elevating Connections, which is an organization that helps keep foster kids um, connected with their siblings. So, um, (laughs) So I always have the joke. I'm like... It is so nice to help this organization. I have three brothers and I can't imagine like if I was separated from them when I was little, because there's a right way and a wrong way to hold down your little brother <laughs> and let the spit <laughs> dribble from your mouth. And I'm here to help other kids learn how to do that. <laughs> I love your humor so much. <laughs> I have three younger brothers and the one who's younger, that's the one that I live with. And gosh, I just, he would, I would, tor- you know, when you get older, you're like, God, I'm really sorry. I did all that stuff. And when he got bigger than me, we would just pass in the hallway and he would just pound me into the wall. <laughs> and my dad would get mad and go, Michael, find another way to express yourself. <laughs> he would look at my face and go, bitch. <laughs> That's not what I meant. So tie it back to dad. Uh, that's July 31st. Awesome. Those are the two shows. Uh, Steph Comedy is S-T-E-P-H Comedy on Instagram. All right. Yeah. I'll put links to all that in there in uh, the notes. But I'm looking forward to some humor coaching and uh, seeing you again. Thank so. you. Likewise. Yeah, I'm excited too. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Episodes of this podcast are produced and written by me, Matt Sodnikar. The intro was engineered by good friend Cole Weinman. And our original score theme song, Retro Funk, was composed by previous guest and good friend Randy Wiafe. I also have two requests. If you like this show, please share it with a friend who you think might like it. And also take the time to show them how to listen to a podcast, either on Apple transistor or spotify and i know you know somebody out there that would make a fantastic guest and if you do please shoot me an email to podcast at thewarmfront.com thanks for listening <laughs>